Hey all, I'm Thomas. And I'm Taylor. And welcome to Third Rail, where we discuss everything from design technology and languages to woodworking, travel, books, and culture. We are clearly in over our heads, so we limit ourselves to three topics per week that interest us. We pull the first two topics from a bank of our shared interests. The third topic is almost always from left field and can be just about anything. <laughs> this, this week we're bringing on our very, our very dear friend, Doug Dawson. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Doug. Yeah, no problem. Um, I tried to do my slurping like you're calling it slurping. A little bit, uh, little bit more quietly next time, perhaps. Yeah. Give it a nice little... <laughs> yeah, there it is. Mm. Call it good. It was almost yeah, like, it was. A, like a like a throw up. Like a, like a <laughs> it probably sounded really bad. Uh, Doug Dawson, <clears throat> long yeah. time, uh, first time, long time for how do we do this? First, first time, long time. First time, long time, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing me on, guys. Appreciate it. Um, pretty Tell excited some. to talk about some some radio today yeah so wait we're talking about radio but we're on a radio program mm. yeah tell us about yourself please sure yeah i'm a fifth year architecture student at the university of kansas getting my master's um, with you guys obviously mm-hmm. and um yeah moving back to good old old hometown of austin texas so oh, i'm sorry pretty excited actually <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah so yeah, it's a couple weeks we got a couple weeks left a couple think. more weeks and we're walking down the hill Graduating. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. We're glad you could come on. Popping bottles. It's going to be great. You were, we've kind of been putting this off a few mm-hmm. weeks because you were in Washington, D.C. I was. Pretty big competition. Stuff. Yeah. HUD competition. Final four. Awesome. Didn't win, unfortunately, but it was a great experience. Four out of how many entries? How many schools? 40 schools nationwide. So yeah. we were. Great honor. Pretty excited to do he, that. He did Thank that you. with Ryan. Shout out to Ryan was, Lissy. Who was on episode. Three. Six. Six. Episode six. Yeah, episode six. Shout out to episode six. All right, Doug, let's get into it. You brought a topic this week. What did you bring and what are you going to talk about? I'm really excited. Well, yeah, it's um, amateur radio. I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with it. Um, otherwise known as ham radio was the term um, given to it by professionals kind of in a mocking way, but it was picked up by um, amateur radio operators kind of as a, like, hey, well, you know what, this is kind of how we're being identified, and so ham radio has grown since. Um, but it is a hobby, and by law, actually non-commercial, so it's mm-hmm. uh, pretty pretty strictly regulated by the FCC. Um, but essentially, it's just a hobby that's based around the study of radios, electronics, mm-hmm. um, both new and old. Um, you know, you get the old geezers that sit on there and talk with their buddies, and up to me, like I got my license when I was 10, uh, my dad was really into it uh, with his father growing up, and so he passed it down to me. Um, so, so I, so what are I guess the main reasons for AM radio? <clears throat> what, why would anyone want to get into it? Well, it's a, I mean, it's it's a hobby, kind of like any other hobby. So you know, people that um, collect, whether it's a collection or more of like a social thing, there are a lot of clubs. Um, there's a lot of events throughout the year. Uh, one of the big ones being Field Day happens during the summer every year, mm-hmm. and it's uh, essentially a competition, and you can enter uh, specific categories. So the one that I would do uh, with my dad uh, was emergency power. So we could only run our radios on like batteries, solar, any type of emergency power mm-hmm. for the whole competition, which was really fun because you had to be kind of conservative and you really had to, um, you know, 
strategize how you were going to do that. And it's just how many contacts can you get throughout the whole competition? And we've come, we've come pretty close to winning, and I think won actually a couple times in the past. Mm. So um, is that replicating some <clears throat> sort of scenario where maybe the power goes out or exactly. War emergency? Yes. Exactly. It's also war and, games. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, war games. Sorry. <laughs> and um, that's the other thing that amateur radio is really great for too is actually emergency communications. So when hmm. you lose power in a city from a hurricane, for example. Many times the first communications to be established are through ham radio operators. Mm -hmm. So um, especially like in uh, when we had the flood down south and uh, whether Katrina and even in Galveston a couple years ago down in Texas, uh, you saw a lot of hams out there helping people out and providing communications, emergency services. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it's really great. But, you know, it goes a lot further back than that, actually. Um Heinrich Rudolf Hertz in 1888, fun little fact, mm-hmm. um, he hurts. hurts, you know, if you think about uh, megahertz, yeah, yeah. like exactly. the, car, the car rental service, almost, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, a little, little wrong there, uh, but he actually discovered radio waves in 1888, and from that, Marconi, many of you, who many of you have probably heard of, oh, the gangster, um, Mar- not the gangster, oh. <laughs> we're derailing this conversation, <laughs> really, yeah, but no, in the in the 90s, he came out with basically what was the first um, wireless telegraphy uh, in the 1890s. Is this two-way? Is that what we're... This the is... The whole ham, ham, correct? Yep. Okay. I was just trying to get this out of the... So we're talking about one-to-one, right? Or is it more of like setting out a frequency and... It is sent... So, like, you're asking how it works? Yeah. I guess we can get to that if you... Sure. Well, I was just... I thought we could... Maybe kind of run through some of the history. Sure, let's do sure, that. Sure, let's do yeah. it. I was trying to do it real big no, time. I'm sorry. No, sorry. No, it's fine. He has a plan. He brought a plan. I just know nothing about it. So I brought I'm really, no. I'm really um, excited. Sure. Um, but, you know, yeah, like it's like I said, it started out basically by experimentation. You know, how did they discover the light bulb? They were, you know, playing around with electricity. Same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was as early as, you know, the early 1900s, like 1908, I think it was, uh, when the first you know, radio club actually came about. And um, so kind of for that first 10 to 20 years of amateur radio's life, um, it was sort of like this guerrilla thing of people that were interested Mm -hmm. in it, like setting up stations and stuff. Um, And then coincidentally, after the Titanic sank, um, Congress passed the Radio Act of 1912, Mm -hmm. which limited uh, radio bands to certain frequencies and certain Mm -hmm. wavelengths. So at that point, they were restricted on where in the radio frequency range they could broadcast. Um, hmm. And I won't go into all the details about World War One and World War Two, but as you can imagine, as communications developed, um, especially during the war times, um, Congress actually um, outlawed slash shut down amateur radio uh, just for safety, you know, national security precautions. Hmm. So they were, you know, amateurs were actually not only no longer able to broadcast, but they were actually forced to dismantle a lot of their equipment hmm. so people like me and my dad you know if a war would break were to break out at that scale right now would have to completely tear apart our shacks and wow. and shut everything down so you can imagine there was a lot of controversy with that sure um but you know also with the technological <clears throat> development of these wars you saw a lot of com- communications technology being developed and actually today a lot of those radios from the you know 20s through the 40s are pretty highly uh, sought after 
as kind right. of antiquities, electronic antiquities, because hmm. that level of sophistication in terms of having to understand every little detail in order for something like that to function um, is pretty valued. So sort sure. of a fun little yeah, that's backstory. Cool. Sorry if it took a little longer. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm imagining we have a war breakout right now and everyone has to dismantle their cell phones. You know, right. how, like, do you do that? That? how do you do that nowadays? At the scale of modern technology, it's right. unfathomable. So because it's um, hobby driven, mm-hmm. I imagine that like it's kind of an old school um, setup in terms of like the hardware. Mm-hmm. Is that is it pretty understandable? Like an old car, like it's, or is there some level of like knowledge that's? Yeah, it's um, it's similar, I guess, in the sense that um, that like kind of antiquated typology of going back to those older radios and stuff Mm. if that's kind of what you mean like when you think about like an older car people do that as a hobby it's not like you're gonna have your 69 chevelle as your day-to-day going to the grocery store car right oh Um, i see so you you kind of that's more of like the collection and then you use like you practice the um, communication through more like modern devices is that what you're um yeah it's both really so um like my dad for example if he were here oh my gosh this conversation would be way more entertaining because uh, he just knows so much more about it bring than him I do. up here we we have a budget but, uh, of, well actually we don't. <laughs> <laughs> no budget next but, um, next time <laughs> like for example he um has some old radios from his father uh from you know the 50s that mm-hmm. he's been able to restore over time and, you know, he uses those more just for experimentation and understanding that type of technology um, and also sort of as a sentimental thing. And that's what it is for a lot of people. Hmm. Um, and then he does have a digital age, if you want to call it that, um, radio set up with his computer and he's able to kind of interlink all that together. Hmm. So, um, yeah. It's... So <clears throat> with your getting to kind of your involvement and interest in it, mm-hmm. um, did you you remember just seeing your dad kind of tinkering with it, and then he slowly kind of taught you over over the years how to do it? And as you said, starting to enter competitions and things like that. But that's that's pretty serious. So you must have been sure. really into it. Um, yeah, growing up, I mean, he has been doing it since before I was born. So as far back as I can remember, he had a radio. You know, he had one in his car. All he always had a mobile station in his car. And there's the dog. And. Um, <laughs> So he, um, yeah, he always had like a mobile station in his car and he always had a shack set up. That's what they call him. Actually, yeah, it's kind of the fun little term for, uh, an amateur radio operator's home base, if you want to call it that. So whether it's their closet in their garage where they set up all their equipment or mission in, control in the case of my dad, it was a room basically off the garage, uh, where he had a lot of equipment. That's the shack, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, a radio but, shack. No? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's where it came from. I don't know. It probably actually I haven't hmm. thought about that. It's a good point. Hmm. But yeah, just you know, ever since I was growing up, I would always kind of pop in there. He would let me. Um, he would actually let me talk. You know, on the radio, of course, he was always super, super positive and supportive of me getting into his hobby. So um, he would dog, let me talk to dog, him. Checking in, dog. This is dog. So. <laughs> So there's, there are protocols that you have to follow, right. Up, right? Yeah, so you have to be licensed in order to transmit. And if you're not, you have to be with someone that is. Hmm. So you guys could, with me, talk hmm. on a radio as long as I was present, hmm. being the um, being the operator, basically. Um, and so um, when I was 
early on going to those competitions, for example, I would get, we would operate under one basically general operator call sign, mm-hmm. meaning that not everyone there necessarily had to be licensed, but we were licensed as a team. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, my question is, mm-hmm. and maybe you could talk about how the competitions work, but maybe just start off by like, how is, is like thinking of like a walkie talkie for sure. like, I have very limited. So like, is it similar to a walkie talkie what, or what's the differences or just kind of like, just the, yeah, how they work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, yeah. that's a really big kind of misunderstanding. I think when it comes to amateur radio, yeah. Um, you know, it is significantly more complex than a walkie-talkie. <laughs> um, but if you think about a walkie-talkie, which is basically um, like a shortwave distance. So a really, really nice expensive walkie-talkie would really not ex- be able to exceed more than probably 40 or 50 miles, depending on your, mm-hmm. where you are geographically. Mm-hmm. And if it's flat because that's the curvature of the earth. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. from any two points, after about 40, 50 miles, just kind of depending on geography, there's no physical, there is a physical barrier of the earth hmm. between your two points, which obstructs the radio wave. So to get around that, um, they've developed multiple um, strategies. One um, being repeaters, which your radio sends a signal out on a specific frequency that's received by a repeater and that repeater retransmits that frequency at a much higher power basically yeah and so it's able to go a little bit farther of a distance and so for example cities like austin has uh, numerous repeaters set up where my dad and his friends can all um, talk day to day using their small um, what they call hts which stands for handy talkie it's basically Mm -hmm. like the ham radio operators walkie talkie Mm. um but you just have to have a license. It's much more sophisticated um, and has a, many more functions than hmm. your typical walkie-talkie. I should have brought it in. It's in my car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I've seen it. So is this like uh, you see the old guys at the train station listening to the train operators? Is that is that just more of like a receiver? or? <laughs> I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. The well, train, <laughs> train people? <laughs> The train conductors. You mean the conductors on trains when they're on radio with people, with other conductors? That would be specific to the company. Uh, So this is, like I said, it's non-commercialized. So it's specifically for hobbying or. But it's at a certain frequency, right? Right. So like, so those those train conductors, for example, have separate frequencies that we as hams Uh, are not allowed to operate. uh, Okay. So we're given. So those guys are just listening at the train station. So I'm assuming close. <laughs> shut close that door. <laughs> Wait. So you're not allowed to operate on them, but you can. Could you listen in to other frequencies, or is that kind of? A um, big... It depends. Like on, it depends on the frequency. So for example, um, the national. I'm going to get this wrong, but it's basically the national weather, whatever national weather service. Um, operates on the amateur bands hmm. has a specific frequency that only they can transmit on. But as as ham radio operators, we can receive that frequency mm. for weather updates, basically. So it's hmm. there's certain like there's a clock. There's literally one that's a cl- for clock, like a clock, hmm. and it's got the time, like it's the perfect atomic time hmm. clock for radio frequency. So it's just like one, two, <laughs> three. 
Oh, I mean, no, not exactly, but kind of. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't chime. Obviously, but it says like eight o'clock, like whatever time zone, you know. And hmm. that's so. There's frequencies like that that are on amateur frequencies, but no one can actually communicate on that frequency. Right. Because hmm. some would be like eight o'clock, and then some guy would be like, "Yeah." <laughs> no. Yeah. That's that can't happen. It won't. That will never happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, or shouldn't ever happen. <laughs> So your dad's communicating with buddies. You're communicating with buddies across the state. So you have to send your signal to a repeater and then out? That's one example. Um, the other type um, with HF, which stands for high frequency, which I should explain um, a couple of the different types. There's HF, VHF, and UHF, for example, which are high frequency, very high frequency, and ultra high frequency. And that has to do with the specific band that you're transmitting on. So there's, um, let me see, I have a list here. Make sure I don't forget any of them. Um, but basically, um, you have like 10 meters, 20 meters, 40 meters, 80 meters, um, which are the majority of your high frequency bands. And then you have, uh, like 70 centimeters and higher, which are your, um, like very high and ultra high frequency bands. And so these are the meters and centimeters are references, references to the wavelength mm-hmm. and, each one of those bands has a specific range which ham radio operators are allowed to operate in. Hmm. When it comes to high frequency, it's totally different than very high and ultra high. High frequency, since it's a longer wavelength, has the ability to actually refract off of the ionospheric layer of our atmosphere, and it bends the signal back down. down. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I actually did, funny story, I actually did a fifth grade science project on this. Um, nice. and pretended to know what I was talking about, but I was, um, blue I was coloring in a, I was <laughs> Immediately coloring I would give book. you blue ribbon. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool though. So, so radio, for example, a, a station sends a signal out, say from Lawrence, Kansas, and you want to talk to somebody in California, obviously it's way too far for line of sight. So by refracting it through that atmospheric layer, you're able to basically bounce the signal yeah. across the planet. And you can even bounce it multiple times mm. and reach. I mean, like we've talked to people literally halfway around the world um, pretty clearly yeah. on these frequencies. And um, it's, you know, it's kind of amazing to think about, you know, that someone has that same, regardless of what they're using over there, that's just like a totally different type of wireless communication yeah. as compared to the cell phone or whatever. You're Plus, it's not today. commercial, too. Yeah, so exactly. That's, that's like really awesome. Like it's all set up by amateurs. That's why they call it amateur radio because it's all mm-hmm. it's kind of sketchy in a way. <laughs> so when the zombies come, I'm heading to Austin. You know who to contact. It's well, a- I'll have to get to you, <laughs> and then I'll be able to contact out from you. I mean, sure. it's amazing. It it's the same way that I, I'm fascinated by cell phones, but just the fact that you can send a radio wave. And someone can get that wave at a specific location and then also know, like, hear words. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, it's all electromagnetic radiation, simply enough. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, duh. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like my dad, um, like I said, if he was here, we could spend two hours talking about this stuff and he wouldn't drop a beat. Yeah. Um, but... I think kind of overall, just the best part about it is you kind of get this 
almost like when you're working on an architectural project, I'm just mm-hmm. to relate to you guys and some of our listeners out there. Um, like imagine you're building a model and you're focusing on the whole thing, but there are very, very specific pieces during that process that you're really just, your mind is so focused on. Mm-hmm. And especially when you do these competitions and stuff, or you're setting up a radio or you're tuning one or rebuilding one, it's kind of that same level of like meditation yeah. that you get mm-hmm. when focusing on something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people really appreciate about the hobby. Um, so just kind of a, that's kind of the, the core reason, at least that I've experienced sure. with, with my dad. Um, which has been super cool. So the one out in your car, and and Mm -hmm. I don't want to end on this note, but how far can that go? What type of radio is it? And sure. So it's, um, it's a VHF. I've seen it for a few years. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a VHF UHF. So it's, it's a, um, HT handy talkie, like I said, designed for short, you know, um, single sideband communication. Did I get that right? Probably not. Yes. But um, yes, you did. <laughs> uh, it's a tri-band, which means it works. I think it works on seventy centimeters, two meters. I don't remember. I don't use the other band on it. But um, so it's what I would use to, for example, speak through a repeater or to a directly to another person on one of those frequencies. Um, mobile mobile units typically don't. Um, you know, you don't want this giant clunky, right? Multi-function, huge HF radio in your car because it's just not practical. Um, you know, they do make mobile HF units that can use those um, other bands that do longer distance communication, but mm-hmm. um, it's more common to see. Sure. An HT or so something. How, how far smart. does it go? How far can you get it? it? I mean, it would be like within a city, like a large city radius, so. Hmm. Um, and then again, that depends though, if I were to send it through like a packet, then it would be converted to a digital signal, which then could be transmitted Hmm. digitally to anywhere. Right. Even like Europe, you could send that signal to Europe digitally. Right. And then that would be transmitted out. Just like a sugar packet. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish I could get into packets, but I I don't know enough about it to seem intelligent. So it's it's just really diverse in, in what you can do and um, something that very very few people know about. When you start talking to it about them, they sometimes yeah. look at you like, "Oh, ham radio <laughs> is that like a food?" <laughs> well, cool. When you brought the textbook too, it looks. Oh yeah, the old looks like a handbook. It's a. I've never read it. A lot of reading. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming on. We love if you could stick around for some third rail. I would love to. We'll have to also maybe post like a photo or two about kind of this stuff. Because I feel like there's maybe some cool diagrams. Some links maybe. Yeah. Something. I can get you a link. That'd be awesome. awesome. Link us up. I'll stay linked in. Segway man, you want to take us into third rail? You're good at this. Yeah. Do you... I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Do you hear that frequency? (laughs) I think we should talk about... We're, we're kind of stuck on two different ones. I really want to talk about one of them, though. I think I we should think just do I it. I know which one you're talking about. Do we about. want to lay them let's, out on the let's table? Let's do or... what and then let them decide. 
Let the, <laughs> let the people, yeah, cast your votes via Twitter. All right. No, let's just let's just do mile markers. Okay. Can rock with mile markers. Let's just do it. Dun, because we're, yeah. we're a little we're into technical stuff, and we're also For into sure. like, you know, frequencies and hamming on the trucking waves. So. Mile not the markers. same. Not the same. <laughs> not the same. I will go ahead and throw that out there. <sighs> okay, we're gonna about, about to rail on mile markers, John. or fishing. Let's do mile markers. We're we can there. do mile markers. We're Let's here. do mile markers. So mile markers, I just really like them because they're. It's like an organization system for roadways <laughs> while I'm traveling. That's why I like them. Yeah. It's also like the stripes on the road are also, I guess like the entire, I don't know, it's it's meant to be like as efficient as possible, right? But it also, it's every mile, just a stake in the ground. I think it's an emergency thing too. Mm-hmm. So you're, you can make your, uh, you can orient yourself for like emergencies hmm. or like AAA, you know, like where are you? Because I've had, that's happened to me Yeah. Um, on K10. And I was glad I was at an exit, but I was able to tell them like the exit and like which mile marker it was. But it just reminds me of like the Jeffersonian grid kind of thing, and like eventually, I mean, a lot of countries, other countries like Europe, is mostly mapped, and like I know the U.S. is, but like I guess it's not digitally mapped totally yet. But it just brings you to this sense of like advancement in numerical values <laughs> that, I, that I like to think about as I'm traveling down the highway. You said something though about mile markers advancement for like... Advancement in numerical values. That's a quote. These are uh, white trails. White painted numbers on a green sign getting mm. really deep. Yes. Um, about what? I worked at the county and they have an entire every all of your counties all of your cities have a sign shop where they make all that stuff hmm. anyway because it's regulated i mean roadways are government you talked about trail did you talk about trail mm-hmm. running trail or what were you talking about yeah i think the first thing i thought of when you said that was um like a jogging like a city jogging trail mm. having like eighth or quarter mile markers oh. you know and like like oh where am i oh i'm at three quarters of a mile like rather than having map my run like right yeah you have reached one mile right total distance turn left (laughs) one mile you know it's kind of like oh hey there's a rock it says three quarters of a mile on it (laughs) i gotta shout out somebody though Uh, i don't know if i should say their name because they didn't know what mile markers were and she this Okay, I'll just do it. This is shout out to Haley Hummus. Haley Hummer. Her last name's Hummer. I call her Hummus. Um, she drove from Kansas City to Columbia for like four years of her college career. Mm-hmm. And I asked her about, we were talking about the drive and like mile markers. And I said, mile markers. And she was like, what's this? What are those? Oh. So there is a, I mean, a lot. I mean, I guess they're small enough. I guess you can choose not to. Yeah, most I guess most people also don't. Well, they don't care, a. But we're talking about it for ten minutes. But um, is it doesn't have much significance to that? I don't know. I like to be. I like. 
to know where I am. To me, the mile marker is it's like it's one of those things that just needs to be there. You know, there's just certain things that I, f- I feel more reassured. If you're going down a road for a long time and you don't see a mile marker, you don't see any indications of like life or purposeful, yeah, no signs or anything. You're just like, oh, where am I going? <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of dirt <laughs> dirt road. It's like a it's it's another sign of civilization. I think. Now on the toll road, on forty or no on seventy, excuse me, it yeah. tar- it goes to the middle. You guys notice that? Mm-hmm. It goes I didn't to notice blue. That. I don't know if just toll is blue or if Kansas is blue. Kansas, I think, is highways a, blue. There's no, a lot of green. No, highways green. Interstate's blue. Interstate's blue. Interstate's I blue. I thought so. Like thirty-five. Pretty mm. sure that thirty-five I haven't is driven blue. a lot on thirty-five. Yeah. Oh, really? So yeah. They're green in Missouri, though, along 70. Hmm. Well, we're going to have our, our research analysts look into this and report back. <laughs> Mile markers are great. Yeah. They... <laughs> I feel like they're, it's a, It's also, there's like this pureness to them, too. It's kind of Richard Sarah-esque. Just... <laughs> nice. Shout out to Richard Sarah. Imagine R.I.P. Is he dead? I don't think yet. I don't think he is dead. Who might? Nope. No, he's <clears> not. <throat> Shout out to Donald Judd, though. He's dead. But mm, yeah. I've been reading up on him a little recently. Donald Judd. He you did a lot know. of architecture stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's he's never actually an architect. Pretty cool boxes, too. Those concrete boxes down in Fort Worth. Are you talking about Richard Serra? Or no, Don, I'm talking Donald, about Judd. Donald Judd. Donald Judd. Yeah. Oh, he's my favorite sculptor. Yeah. His, his works are amazing. I love him. Yeah. He. What did you ask me? Oh, you said concrete boxes. Yeah, that was, that was one of the precedents yeah. you had mm-hmm. for your courthouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, for sure. He probably liked mile markers. I, have you ever been to Martha? To where? Texas. Mar- Martha, Texas. I have not. Right outside of Fort Worth. Mm-mm. That's where I think there's probably a museum. I think he did hmm. of his stuff. But not... All right, let's let's go on fishing for a second. Can we do that? Oh, you're gonna do a fourth? I don't know. We could do it real quick. We probably got four minutes, three minutes. What do you think, Doug? We're gonna do we're gonna do four rails because Doug's that special. We're gonna we're gonna talk about fishing too because I don't know what spawned spawned this, but okay. What? No, you're (laughs) special. Oh, thanks. And so are you. I want to go fishing. You should do it. I haven't been in a long time. Last time I went was at Dougie's farm. Shout out to the a different Doug. Not me. But um. Yeah, that was the last time I went fishing. You guys have gone some, or have D- Doug's gone. I don't know if you've... Doug and I have gone a couple times, but you go a lot more than I do. And you're a lot more successful. Than I you. enjoy it. No, it's, it's still a pretty rookie hobby of mine, I would say. But, um... Sorry, that was my phone. It was an amateur hour. Uh, <laughs> amateur radio hour. <laughs> yeah, he's getting a radio frequency in. Um, it's no. kind of probably similar to the, the meditation kind of aspect, right? Oh, oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a way to completely remove yourself, you know, and yeah, you don't have basically any distractions. You're hundred percent focused on what you're doing and, um, like bass fishing, which is what I like to do. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you can really get into and you can spend a ton of time researching and looking it up and watching videos. But if you don't get out there and do something like, you know, do it, go fishing, you know, buy your first $20 spinning reel and rod and yeah. throw it out there. You're not going to, you're not actually going to learn anything. So 
yeah, I love it. I think it's a great hobby every every American should do. What? Shout out to America. Uh, no, that I think what's that, the lure? The lure, the spin is it spin bait? The ones that look like fish. What are the ones the that hook? are shiny and there's like a million of them you can buy? And they get expensive. Well there's too. a there's I, many. I mean you have crankbaits. Crankbaits, okay, well, that's what I was thinking. Let's are they break called this down. baits? Yeah, well, let's break this down. So there's hard plastics and soft plastics to start. Okay. <laughs> so you okay. have your, your hard plastics, which would be, you know, your crankbaits, rattle traps. Um, I think frogs are even typically put under uh, hard baits and like your poppers and topwater and stuff like that. And all of those are probably like what you're referring to with like the shiny. Yeah. Um, Look like fish. Spinning, you know, and they're really attracted um, they attract fish through movement, color, and you know the flash of that's got a spinner like a like a spinner spinner bait would have mm. a spoon on it or a leaf, um, and then your soft plastics would be worms, craws, um, yeah. you know throwing jigs and stuff. Shout out to Jimbo's Bait and Tackle, <laughs> our sponsor, where you're able to get both soft and hard. Bates. Bates. <laughs> I like Jimbo's. Thanks for that. Thanks for that breakdown. I, I, um, I'm not good at fishing. We every time we've gone, I've never caught anything. But I've really? been there and I've thrown, I've cast numerous times. But what I do really like is like now the number of castings can be, especially if you don't have you know. a bobber on there, because you're just you gotta bring it in. And well, cast. and that's you know, using, I mean, that's different. That's if you use live bait versus a lure. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with either method. It's just kind of what you prefer. I find lures more exciting because so you, you just get to experiment. You're not going to call anybody out. You should. I've call only them. used live bait. You've only used live bait. Yeah, like worms. like worms, like actual yeah. like live worms. Interesting. Yeah. But mm. I haven't. I mean, I'm definitely not. <laughs> For the last time I fished was probably six years ago. So, so you're talking about like you can't just look up the videos on on YouTube or whatever and then know how to do it. I think that I do that a lot of times. I, I find a hobby and I just kind of research a lot of it, but then I don't actually spend a whole lot of time doing it. <laughs> well, get me, you know, don't get me wrong. I've probably spent, I probably spent my share of hours looking at yeah. various yeah. fishing videos, which sounds kind of depressing in a, in a way, but <laughs> fishing's a livelihood though, too. It is. I mean, that's like, I mean, it's a, there's a, it's a professional people, sport. It's a professional so. sport as well. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, like I said, you could, you could watch a pro angler fish a bait that you could get for $10 at your local sporting goods store. Right. And he could catch a bunch of huge bass on it, but you could go buy that same bait and have absolutely no luck for three hours. So yeah, it's the camera thing. Yeah. Like the, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how expensive your camera is. It's how good you are taking pictures kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, you threw fishing on there for a fourth rail. Illegal was... in 16 states. <laughs> I should have ran it by Frowned the upon it most. But I don't know. I think that was a, a turn for the best. It was interesting. Probably. You weren't in mile markers I ever. Think mile markers. I love mile was it markers. Ran its course pretty fast. <laughs> I'm going to get a mile marker tattoo. Hey, I Doug, think. do you like mile markers? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he does. He said he did. <laughs> I know. He spent a lot of time on the. He spent a lot of time on the road. I thought that'd be a good thing to talk about. I'll cut all this out. No, I think this is good, and I think we're probably close to finished. Thank you, Doug. Hey, thank yeah. you, guys. This is, is this is casual like always. It's the best stuff. We're gonna get your photo. Oh, 
Good thing I wore my good shirt. Yeah. With the famous orange background. And then... Um, just want to thank you guys for bringing me on today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, yeah. And I wish you all the best in your future life adventures. I know we're all going to be going our mm. separate ways here shortly, so I just want to say thanks. When yeah. we come down to visit, we'll do Third Rail Goes to Austin. Ooh, oh, yeah. The traveling circus, if you yeah. will. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Okay, thank you. Broadcasting live from <laughs> Doug's apartment. On AM radio. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll send us out here. Thanks yeah. for listening to another episode of Third Rail. Follow us on Twitter at Third Rail Sounds, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Third Rail Sounds, Instagram at Third Rail Sounds, and on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Third Rail Sounds. Until next time. Third Rail. <laughs>